Hello, and welcome to Build Momentum, where we help education organizations blow past their competitors with strategies that make an impact. We think beyond traditional press releases and generic communication tactics and seek out big, bold ideas to create meaningful results for our clients. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent more than 15 years in public relations for the education sector, where our team has learned what works and what doesn't when it comes to PR. From launching groundbreaking new industry awards to landing sought-after panels at the most prestigious shows, we absolutely love this stuff. But the best part is we have an opportunity to interview some of the smartest people we know who share their knowledge and strategies for success right here on the show. If you enjoy what you hear, we would so appreciate if you please take a moment to drop us a review on whatever platform you listen. And if you want to learn more about us, visit swpr-group.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Let's dive into the show. And on today's episode, we have Marcus Sutra, the president of Eye to Eye, a national mentoring nonprofit organization that empowers young people with learning differences. Marcus is a champion for those who suffer from learning differences and focuses particularly on students with his organization, Eye to Eye. Marcus, it's so great to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, good. Okay, so I really like to start with you sharing your story with us because it's definitely a powerful one. What led you to this life's work and mission to launch Eye to Eye? Sure, sure. Yeah, so this really has been a life's work for me and a calling in many ways. So the work really began for me as somebody who was identified with a learning difference when I was in elementary school with dyslexia and ADHD specifically. And I use that word identified really specifically and it's really important to me and to a lot of us at Eye to Eye because it's very different than thinking of it as a diagnosis, right? And something that I suddenly one day had, but this was the way I was born. And that's the way it operates for most students with learning disabilities is that you're born this way. And it takes, you know, typically, sadly, failure in school to then get identified to get the supports that you need. But I will always be dyslexic. That's my wife. It's definitely not gone away. I'll always have ADHD and just kind of a part of my identity as an individual. So I really came to this work as an educator. I started off going into college and thought, you know, this is a very broken education system. It's incredibly inequitable for students who learn differently. They don't know how to advocate for themselves. They don't know what they need. They feel very stigmatized. So I wanted to go into education. I became a teacher. I thought I would be kind of the secret spy and use my dyslexia as a way of understanding students and having more empathy for students. I quickly realized that my story was actually going to be an incredibly valuable tool in the classroom. And that was going to be my kind of real biggest tool that I could use to be able to change the culture of my classroom and reach students. Yeah. Okay. And then how did you decide you're going to, you know, put together IDI? How did that all come about? Tell me more about that. Sure, sure. So basically I had this experience in this one classroom in New Hampshire when I was student teaching in my first year. I thought, how could you scale this kind of culture change that I'd seen in my classroom? Students are embracing their learning difference, asking for help, all those types of things. And I'd always loved entrepreneurship and always was like the kid who was like, had five different hustles going as I was growing up. And so I started looking into different models. And luckily, a professor came to me and said, you know, there's a guy named David Flink, and he's at Brown University right now. And he's running kind of a mentoring program that's aimed at the same things that you're aimed at, that you want to accomplish with, you know, at the time I was thinking about starting a summer camp as the intervention that I would create or the business model I would create. 
And so Dave and I got paired up and he was just starting eye to eye, just starting to begin to apply for the 501c3 and kind of really build the organization. So we started working out of his apartment in Brooklyn at his kitchen table. And the two of us began to build and scale the organization from there. So it was really his experience at Brown and my experience in the classroom coming together at the right time to start the organization. Yeah, that's amazing and powerful. I think it's pretty incredible. So many people I talk to, it's just like they happen to meet the perfect person at the perfect time. If you're on the right path, that's bound to happen. Don't you agree? I, I think if you say yes to enough things and you have yeah. the confidence and you know you work really, really hard, yeah, it does make that cocktail of opportunity. Oh, I like that. The cocktail of opportunity. That's great. All right. So you've been able to create such a unique platform for sharing and educating the public about learning differences. How are you promoting your mission and your organization to gain support? Also attention around learning differences, because I think that sounds like that's really important to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we first start off by building mentoring programs around the country, high school and college students with learning differences, mentoring middle school students with learning differences. And right out the gate, we realized that in organizing those students to volunteer and do service, that they were these incredible spokespeople for our work. And they were, so we really just had to kind of train them to be the spokespeople, to tell their stories and to train, to change culture of the schools and communities. So for us, it was about finding partners to, and basically platforms to be able to share those stories. So over the years, we had worked, you know, partnered with conferences, partnered with schools, partnered with, you know, brands throughout the country to kind of leverage those young people's stories. But we had to organize, we had to deliver a quality product. We had to get the base of support going and really kind of have a proof point for our work before we could really start to amplify the message. Yeah, that's exactly something we talk about in PR all the time. It's all about storytelling and letting others tell your story for you. I think that's the most powerful way to really get the message out. So when you give those students a platform... Are you giving them any key messages? Are you? How do you coach them? I'm really curious on how you train them. Sure. Yeah. So initially, we had this program called the Diplomats Program, where students would be recruited to be trained in public speaking and telling their stories and using anecdotes to be able to make points around you know the value of self advocacy and skills like that for students with learning disabilities. So that became a big component of it. But also, we found that these students were really great storytellers. You know, people with learning disabilities maybe you know in some cases have much better verbal skills than they do written skills. So putting a student with learning disability up in front of a room to share their story was something that they were actually, they were shining at as opposed to everybody else saying, hey, can you write that story down? And that's where they were actually struggling. So it was really playing to our students' gifts was kind of a big part of the strategy. Oh, that's great. And then you said you pursued conferences and other avenues to amplify their voice. Was it ever media outreach? Yeah, definitely. So we worked on a couple of different situations. So we worked with PBS to help uh, with a documentary film about students with learning disabilities. So we were helping recruit students for the film, train the staff on how to make sure that the film addresses the issues in the appropriate ways. We did a billboard series with the Indy 500. So it was like a PSA that aired at the Indy 500 with Sir Jackie Stewart, who's a famous race car driver who's dyslexic, and Justin Wilson, who actually sadly passed away, but was also a famous race car driver and dyslexic, as well as our student stories as well. So finding those brands, sometimes places where like we never thought we'd end up, like the Indy 500, things like that. Right. Also, I noticed that you did develop a billboard series featured in New York's Times Square. Is that the same series that you applied to Times Square? Tell me about that one. Sure. So that was a different series altogether, but kind of builded from that type of work. So we did a two-part series. One was our student stories up in lights, students with learning disabilities, kind of 
changing the idea of what people think of when they think of Arnie Stillies. And the other, mm-hmm. we partnered with WNBA star and Olympic athlete who just won the gold medal, Jewel Lloyd, to tell her story in lights as well. She really represented our community in so many great ways. So it was about our students and it was also kind of tagging it a little bit to that celebrity aspect. That's a really brilliant strategy. How do you get these celebrities? We just keep telling our story and the Nice People Network keeps growing. And But there's also a lot of celebrities out there with learning disabilities. Huh. Uh, you know, if you Google it, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, there's the CEOs like Richard Branson and Chuck Schwab. And then also you have like Anderson Cooper and Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, all these people who we see on TV every single day who really struggled with kind of the basic skills of school and are now incredibly successful. Yeah, Damon John comes to mind. I know he is always... And you didn't you speak at an event with him? Yes, we did an event together at Fashion Week where, again, we were you know kind of raising awareness around learning disabilities with a couple and other organizations that were supporting students who were struggling in school. And he was you know incredible. So I think four out of the six sharks are dyslexic. Like Really? Oh, yeah. Barbara, Barbara is, yeah. yeah. Barbara is, Mr. Nice Guy is, Richard Branson is when he's on the show. So we're well represented in the entrepreneurial and dyslexic. Dyslexics and entrepreneurs go hand in hand. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I love it. Okay. So switching gears, I am actually co-authoring a book with a superintendent from Texas on compassionate leadership. And one of the reasons I wanted to interview you today is because it seems like the premise of your organization was created out of empathy and compassion for those who are suffering from uh, not suffering, but just it's a struggle if you have a learning difference and it's a challenge and you're not excelling like other students or you're the peer next to you in your class. So how do you foster that compassionate leadership throughout your organization with your team? Do you have any examples of how you've been able to cultivate that spirit of empathy for others? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's something that we lead with at eye to eye. I mean, we lead with, in many ways, one of our greatest vulnerabilities is, you know, that I, you know, I struggle with, struggle with reading, struggle with focusing, staying, struggling with paying attention. So I think when you're a leader and you're automatically vulnerable about your own strengths and weaknesses, which I think any good entrepreneur really is, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of prop up sometimes the CEO as though they're good at all the things. But probably the thing that, you know, I'm best at is knowing where I should be and where I shouldn't be within the organization and knowing who to hire to support me with the things that I'm not good at. And self-knowledge is maybe one of the best parts of having a learning difference because you learn that throughout the experience. But yeah, for me, it comes down to basically kind of like five key words that I, when I, when I think about all the time, which is empathy, passion, vulnerability, autonomy, and listening. And those seem to be the key components to making the culture work. I think that listening in, is something that people kind of underestimate that is so important to be a good leader is really listening to people and trying to understand who they are and trying to work with them to be able to maximize their gifts as a team member. Yeah. And like in a team meeting, do you give that space? Do you talk about it? Do you get vulnerable with your team on a regular basis? How does that look in practice? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, I'll just say that the very, the, the interview question that I have asked every person that I've ever interviewed to have a job at eye to eye is how do you learn? Mm-hmm. And like, and I want to see if they can, A, can answer that question. And because I think it's a really, really valuable skill to be able to know actually how you learn. But then there's constantly ways in which we're talking about like, this is how I learn best. This is how I would communicate best. We've even developed like kind of a work IEP. So students have an IEP in school to help them like under, you know, for the teacher to understand their strengths and weaknesses. So we have a document that we're working through with our staff to be able to understand like, this is how I receive communication best. This is how I receive information best. You know, if an, you know, in an eye to eye, my team knows that I'm not going to write them 
two page long emails. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So we figure out. I bet they're grateful for that. I would be. (laughs) Some of them send them though, but, um, which is fine. But like, I think we all have our own working styles, but that's something, it's a constant kind of conversation at eye to eye. And with having a staff, the majority of our staff learn differently. That also kind of allows for that conversation to happen. Cause if we're not able to, you know, have that conversation as leaders, how can we expect our students and educators that we're working with to be able to do it? Absolutely. I totally agree. I love what you said about that. I think it's so important just to really get vulnerable with our teams and especially with learning differences. I'm curious, is it required to have a learning difference to work for your organization so you can really connect with with people? Is that something you require people or are you just passion? Yeah, definitely not required. If anything, I think we want to have a very interable relationship. So we want to have people that are, you know, have different skill sets. People who who report directly to me, I would say, are very different. I always say that they would be my favorite lab partners in school. Like I would have been, Mm -hmm. hey, I need you guys are going to work with me. We're going to partner up. Yeah, those skills I think you develop with someone who's dyslexic is you're like, oh, you know, you know how to spell. Like I always joke that I dated for spelling throughout school and ended up marrying actually an English teacher. So jokes a little bit maybe too close to home. But like, so like, I think that like, that is like a huge component of it. In terms of our, though, we do value the proximity to the issue. And that's something that eye to eye brought uniquely to the field was saying people who've lived this experience are going to help inform the interventions for this community. So our program staff is all majority LD, you know, the students who are mentoring within our schools and doing the volunteering, all of them are students with learning differences themselves. But there is an incredible group of passionate leaders who have connect, various connections to the issue. And some just, some it's broad. They want to, um, you know, make the schools more equitable and some have a, have a child who learns differently. And that's what brought them. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I was just curious about that. That makes sense. And I totally agree with you on surrounding yourself with people who are better than you at other things. I mean, we're clearly not perfect. No. <laughs> and I have a lot of amazing people on my team that are great at things I'm terrible at. So that's definitely a strategy I employ too. So, okay. I'm curious. It seems like you really are living and breathing your work's life purpose and your life passion, and you've been able to do it in such a profound way. Do you have suggestions for how others, our listeners can kind of do the same thing? Because who doesn't want to live and work their passion? I mean, it seems like kind of the ultimate goal. Yeah, it is the ultimate goal. I mean, it also is, you know, I think you have to start a business or to start or to do something like this. I think you have to be passionate about it or it's just never going to work because the amount of work that you need to put in, you have to have something to fuel your tank on an everyday basis. And I think that this is something that people underestimate early. They're really looking for, I've heard friends say to me, oh, you know, you're so lucky you had a cause that you were connected to at a young age. And I was like, we all probably have causes that we're connected to at a very young age. And I think really like funneling those interests. I think for me, it was getting into education because I wanted to be that teacher that I didn't have. Right. I had no idea that it would turn into a business model that I would be scaling throughout my adulthood, but I was leading with my passion and leading with what I really cared about. And then just saying yes and finding mentors. And that really led me to these other opportunities. Kind of like what we were saying in the beginning was sometimes life does kind of connect things for you. But if you're leading with like, oh, I want to make a lot of money or you're leading with, oh, I want to become famous or whatever it is, that typically doesn't get you where you're going. Yeah. Uh, where you want to be. Yeah, I agree with you. But I love what you said earlier too about 
if you're following your path, you're saying, yes, yes, yes. It will lead you eventually down the right roads. Yeah. I think the best advice I ever got in college was these two phrases, which I say all the time to my staff. They're probably tired of hearing it, but steal, 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 and stay out of the teacher's lounge. And the, you know, so steal from other people, good ideas. And the teacher's lounge is a you know metaphor for it exists in all every industry, like the old ways of doing things, the old type of thinking. Stay out of that room and do your thing. Focus <laughs> on why you're there. Focus on yeah. your students or whatever it is. Or the water cooler. Yes. Stay away from the water cooler. <laughs> Stay away from the water cooler. Stay away from the complainers and you know and uh-huh. focus on the mission and why you're there. Yeah, I can't stand those people. Well, we've always been doing it this way, and this is the only way, and this is not possible. It's like, oh my gosh. Yes. No, that's not true. Yeah. Okay. So Marcus, do you think we're going to see more investments in programs like eye to eye after this year? Or are you seeing that? I'm curious how business is going with the pandemic. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've had to adapt and pivot and all those things throughout the last uh, 18 months because, you know, our services were students getting in rooms together and that obviously couldn't happen. So we had to develop virtual mentoring programs. We've now got a program to professional learning, we call it professional development for educators to help support them in this time period. And I think that one of the few, some of the things we've seen coming out of this time period is the focus on the emotional well-being of the child and understanding that that is such a huge aspect of school. And you re- it's, they were often thought of as like an academic world and there's a social emotional world and they have to be interconnected. So I think that's a huge piece for us that we've seen schools shifting towards. The second is more of a conversation around equity. We've seen social justice just become the top line conversation in most every industry. And so these topics like intersectionality and ableism and things like that are much more often being discussed in schools. And then third, you just have the stimulus money and some of that being allocated directly to you know special education and programs like social emotional learning programs. So it's a tough time to be operating and working with schools, but I am optimistic about what people are thinking about, what people are prioritizing within our education system. Yeah, I'm curious, have you seen... So digital curriculum is obviously a huge thing right now. And we have a lot of partners who are in the ed tech space Mm -hmm. um, for our business. But I'm curious if you see anyone doing it well and supporting learning differences within their curriculum. Is that something you're privy to? Or are there any out there that you know are just really doing that well? Um, Yeah, nobody's jumping to mind that I can call out right now. Not yet. Well, that's... Probably something that needs to happen because if so much of learning is becoming virtual and digital, that's definitely something that people need to consider. Yeah, no, definitely. And we have to be able to, you know, I don't think things are going to be ever going back the exact same way they were and they really shouldn't go back. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this ability, like for us, even to be able to train teachers virtually doubled the amount of teachers we were able to train last year because we weren't getting on planes and flying trainers out and doing all these different types of things. And schools were more receptive to the use of technology. You know, as somebody who learns differently, technology has really been the game changer for being able to accommodate uh, your learning environment. So seeing schools more apt you know to to utilize tech for students broadly is really really exciting yeah i agree okay so do you have any final advice for our listeners who are looking to grow their brand and share their mission or their story in a bigger way because clearly you have cracked that code we'd love to hear your perspective well i'm still learning as i go but i (laughs) I do think that like some of the exercises we've done around centering the organization around its why and why we do this work, not just how and what we do, um, has mm-hmm. been a really healthy exercise for us. Simon Sinek has a great tool that we've utilized mm-hmm. as an organization to be able to really kind of 
center everybody around that. And not only the organization's why, but individuals why. So we just had a, you know, a team retreat where we started off like with people declaring their why. Why are you showing up to do this work every single day? And those whys might be very, very different for different people. But I think it's a really healthy exercise for people to understand like why their team member is there working hard, especially in a mission-driven organization. But yeah, I think then also it's just like making sure whatever you're delivering, the service, product, that that is the most important thing, that you're just listening to the customer constantly and delivering a really good product because... I can do, you know, create all the awareness we want, but if there's not a solution tied to that awareness, it's not really very effective. Yeah, I agree. I think listening is so important. And then switching gears midstream too. If you think you're on a path and then you hear something different from multiple clients, maybe you should be tweaking things and changing things up. So that's a good perspective. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a fantastic chat. I really enjoyed getting to know you and I think our listeners will too. I'm curious about how they can reach out to you or learn more about eye to eye. Yeah, sure. So eye2eyenational.org is our website. So please go there and you know it's, you can either like, get your school involved by just clicking bring eye to eye to your school um, or mm-hmm. obviously making a donation. That's what fuels our work in many ways. So those are two kind of ways immediately. We have some interesting stuff coming up. We're going to be doing October is Learning Disability Awareness Month. So we'll be doing a lot of campaigns and stuff celebrating the intersectionality of students with learning disabilities. So really kind of getting shedding light on the fact that there are students with learning disabilities all over the country, all different race, religions, every socioeconomic status, really kind of celebrate the whole of a child, not just like their learning difference or some aspect of them. So it'd be a great way for people to kind of plug into our work. But right now we're looking for school partners is our number one thing. Awesome. Great. Well, that is fantastic news on the right show because we have a lot of districts and tech companies that partner with districts who listen. So this is great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marcus. I really enjoyed this and I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, we'd be so grateful. This helps other listeners find and learn about our show. And please reach out if you're interested in learning more about how we can elevate the leaders of your organization with our PR services. If you'd like, you can even shoot me a direct email at sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at swpr-group.com. I look forward to hearing from you and we will see you next time.